I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And this episode's brought to you by Space.Storage. Your space, nobody else's. Space is a new file storage sharing and collaboration platform with a focus on privacy. Well, shout out to Space.Storage and welcome back to the finale, the third part in the finale in the series of Robert Rodriguez Week and a Half. After the break, we'll be joined once again by the Mikester, by resident historian and resident federale, former federale, Mike Manzi. But Joe, extracurricular activities, what have you been up to? Uh, let us try to uh, keep last night, like, it, we're in a weird limbo right now. We're probably, but hopefully by the time this episode comes out on Friday, we will know a little bit more information. Yes. So this is a weird, where things are looking okay-ish, but also don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But aside Amen. from that, what have you been up to since we last spoke? We drank last night. I barbecued some chicken, trying not to get too depressed, and that's what we did. It's really consumed a lot of my media attention, sure. right? So mm-hmm. I haven't really been watching anything other than that. I hope it's not too preemptive, but I have a nice sense of, of calm this evening. I feel I'm feeling like, you know, pretty decent. So So David Ehrlich, who is one of my favorite film critics and he does the year yep. videos, he tweeted yep. I've switched from drinking to not be too depressed to drinking to not be too excited. Which I was like, that's a pretty good uh pretty good shift. Oh, that's fun. That's fair. I like that. I haven't watched a single minute of the news. I have just been following along on five thirty eight and via text and stuff, and so I have been at a distance. I tried to keep a relatively normal just like, hey man, I got movies to watch, I got things to do, I'm checking on like this morning when I woke up. I was like, I'm just going to put Fate of the Furious on. I'm going to do it while I work. And I'm like, I can't have this movie on in the background while I'm like reading literally 300 updates on 538. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an all consuming thing. I don't know how anybody got any work done today, but we all made it through the work day and here we are. I knew it was going to be a long day. I, I knew I wasn't going to go to work yesterday. So I drank all my drinking yesterday night, just, you know, sat at home, woke up, took it kind of easy. We went and got some cheesesteaks. Like, we just had, like, a nice, comfortable day. Like, that's what we were going to do. So Cool. So I watched a movie last night called Possessor, which is a brand new movie that came out. It's directed by Brandon Cronenberg, Ooh. who I think, I think is David Cronenberg's son. So David Cronenberg did, like, The Fly. He's done all sorts of creepy body horror stuff. This movie actually weirdly fits in with this lap. It was a Fantastic Fest movie, or would have been from this year. They did some in-person screenings. It is a very gory sci-fi movie with some pretty intense body horror about mind control kind of and like possessing other people's minds and just okay hyper violent in a way that i don't know that you'll appreciate i really liked it i really enjoyed it it stars andrea riseborough aka the titular mandy from the the nicholas cage movie mandy oh yeah yeah and also who else is in it is there anybody else oh jennifer jason lee is in it she plays she's the woman in hateful eight she's also one of the young girls she's phoebe cates's friend in fast times she was in it and the main dude is Christopher Abbott. I don't know if you ever. I don't think you ever watched Girls. Did you ever watch Girls? I watched like the first two or three seasons of it. So there's Adam Driver, but then there was Marnie's boyfriend. I don't remember his name on the show, but he was like a heroin junkie on the show. Do you remember him? No, I didn't even remember Adam Driver was uh-huh. in Girls until Rachel just pointed it out. Like, because like now I think of him as Adam Driver, right. and he wasn't Adam Driver in Girls. Like he wasn't like famous, right? So no, like that was his breakthrough. And famous. like 
Girls is, I think Girls is great, and I know that a lot of people are very polarized on Girls. I think it's great. I think Lena Dunham created an amazing show there. The breakout to me was kind of like all the dudes, like for a show called Girls, all the dudes were like really, really good. And like Christopher <laughs> Abbott played Marnie's boyfriend who was like this junkie and whatever, and like through the show, like he's got this arc of like sometimes a good boyfriend and a bad boyfriend, and they break up or whatever. Like it's this whole. I think I kind of vaguely remember this, but I, go ahead. But as a cook in the movie last night, and the, his girlfriend in the movie is Tuppence Middleton, who is from Sense8 and Jupiter Sending, like, a Wachowski stuff, so I like her from that. Like, it's very creepy, very gross. It came out, like, it was. It came out on Blu-ray and VOD yesterday, so if anybody wants to oh, find cool. it, it's out there now. I guess watch the trailer, and if it seems too gnarly or too weird for you, don't. Uh, okay. But I really enjoyed it, so that was great. You brought up a movie. I wanted to sneak in a movie that we did watch that I really liked. Go for it. We watched this movie on Halloween night called Hell Health LLC. Oh, Rachel texted me in our little thread about that. I did not... That's from, like, five years ago? Is that right? Yeah, it's it's not it's not brand new by any means. Okay. Rachel's watching it with, like, the blanket over her face. Oh, okay. Like, the first half of this... It was found footage. We like found footage movies, obviously, right? Like, we're, like, huge Blair Witch fans. But it was also another, like, genre that we like, which is, like, um, haunted houses. Sure. Like, scary movies about haunted houses that, like, go wrong, right? And the first, like, 75% of this movie was fucking terrifying. This goes along with what I've seen online. Go ahead. Because it's, like, you know, found footage, and, and then they, like, wrap up the movie, and we were like, oh, man, you guys made this so corny and campy. Thank God, because if not, we would have had fucking nightmares of how terrified we were in the first, like, 75% of this movie. So I don't know what the movie's ending is. I did not, I've not seen this movie, but I looked it up when she mentioned it. A handful of people that have been on the show and talked about it, and, like, people I follow on Letterboxd all seen it, and they all gave it, like, three-ish stars, like, two and a half, three. Like, yes. Good, not great, but they all basically had one seemingly complaint, was that it all falls into the found footage conventional trappings at the end it seems like the end really kind of dropped the ball you're saying it kind of saved it for you but it seems like no 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 like it did, no it definitely dropped the ball i was saying just in, in terms of my internal terror gotcha. gotcha it saved it for me because like you know the whole problem is is like with the blair witch project it's it's scary quote because you don't see anything right because right. it's a low budget movie like the whole point is like it's in your head you're scaring yourself they don't have the budget to make something terrifying right that's where it kind of falls apart but the first 75 percent of it i was like holy shit i am so petrified of this movie cool i also rewatched under the silver lake because our film club we are doing noir vember and it's a modern noir starring andrew garfield and riley keogh and yeah. i loved it I saw it again that's on prime if anybody wants to watch it on prime cool the important thing the thing i'm burying the lead on though i told you about i finally fully completed Spelunky 2. I can finally move on, free myself of the shackles of this game, this game that I absolutely adore. I got the last trophies today. I got one last night and one today, and I'm like, finally, I am done with Spelunky cool. 2. I can free up my time to do other things. Like, you completely 100%ed it, yep. and that's awesome. Yes. I was feeling pressure, too, because they changed it. Like, they've released, like, 13 or 14 patches in, like, the two months it's been out, and they announced this new patch that's coming that I think is, like, queued to be released for PS4 kind of radically changes one mini boss and doesn't necessarily make him harder but it makes it a little bit harder it just completely changes the way you battle this one guy okay and i was like i want to finish this before this happens because there's kind of like a like it makes it more fair because there's a kind of a way that you can hide from him in a way and then kind of easily beat him as it is now which they're getting rid of entirely i was like i want to do it this way because it's easier like i want to make sure that yeah. for this, these two very very difficult things that i'm doing like i don't mind 
the game changing in a way that I need to adapt to the new thing and like do the new thing the right way, quote unquote, right way. But at the same time, but you're so close to the end. Yes, dude. these two very <laughs> difficult things that are very difficult to do on their own. I don't want yeah. the added difficulty of having to now beat this guy the real way, the right way, whatever. Exactly. I felt the stress, and like this, the, the, the last thing I did is I finished the game with a million dollars, and I had gotten like 600,000 three times. And two of those times, like there's this one room very late in the game where you can get like $600,000 in this one place by itself. I got there twice and died. Like it's not a very difficult thing, but it's one of those things like the whole game where it's because you're trying to do a thing you haven't normally done and it's a very stressful thing and you're feeling excited because you're like, I'm almost here, like I've almost done it. And you just like screw up. Like it's hard, but it's not overly hard. It's just like nerves get the better of you. Twice got there and died. And I was like, mother, like, come on, God, like get with it. (laughs) snap it together and then today finally I got there and I oh, almost screwed up, got through in the end, oh, no. and I'm glad I did, because then as soon as I exited this room, I died immediately. I was just like, there was just lava outside, I was like, ah, shit, but like, I had gotten it, I was fine. If I had like, a little bit more money I needed, I would have been so mad, but thankfully I got like, almost 1.1 million, like, well in advance, and so, whew, but I am done, now I can go back to finish The Last of Us Part 2. Oh, that's right, you still have that other game, okay. Yeah, the exciting thing, and this is not exciting, I'm using exciting in a condescending tone, but next week, the new Xbox and new PlayStation come out, and I have both pre-ordered, and I don't know if I'm getting either next week. Amazon just has not told Why? me if I'm getting them or not. I don't know. Oh, I just pre-ordered, okay. and they're just like, we'll let you know when you're going to get it. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, we're six and eight days away right now as we're recording. Like, am I going to pay you money? I don't know. <laughs> That's pretty fun. Very cool. Yeah, very, very cool. So I will keep you, I hope, by the next time we record on Saturday for Tuesday's intro, I will know, you know, if I'm getting the new Xbox on Tuesday. But honestly, no idea. Couldn't tell you. That's cool, though. One more thing. Justin gave me a really awesome... Oh, by the way, it was Justin's birthday this week. I don't know if you messaged him or anything, but uh, his... Oh, no, I did It was his birthday. I saw that on Facebook. So happy birthday. Happy belated birthday, Justin Kleinman. I miss a lot of the... Uh the birthday ones on Facebook. Like, I don't know why. Like, I guess I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't really use Facebook. I just logged in and I saw, like, his birthday. I was like, oh, okay. I want to go and give him a shout out on the podcast. So here you go, Justin. Yeah, definitely. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday, Justin. Yeah, we were talking, like, the other day and we were just, like, chatting and he gave me, like, this awesome album recommendation. You know how, like, I was saying how I, like, love, like, honky-tonk kind of sure. music? yep. Yeah, he gave me this, like, new... A current artist, Sturgill Simpson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sturgill's great. Oh, uh, yeah. I just didn't know who this guy was. And so I was listening to this, uh, the album, High Top Mountain in the Shower. Um, I listen to, like, a lot of albums or podcast things in the shower. It's, like, a good spot to just be, like, left alone. And, yeah, it was awesome. So if you like honky-tonk music, Justin gave you a great recommendation that I love and apparently you know about, and I was the only one who didn't know about it. So He put out an album. So he's, like, a traditional country artist, but last year he put out an album called Sound. Sound and Fury. Yes. This is apparently a radical departure from him, but I, I knew some stuff because, like, the Tub Talk guys, like, my friends who I listen to the most music because of, they love him. But then this album came out, and they're like, I don't know, like, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, it's kind of more, a little bit more electronic. And I think the people who are, like, diehard fans of his don't love it. But I really, really like this album. And then he paired it with this, like, 40-minute, like, an album-length anime on Netflix. What? Uh, that, wow. like, is a visual, like, it's just like this, like, hellscape. Like, it's this weird thing. But, uh, yeah, Sound of Fury is great. Storage great shout out to the recommendation and thank you for that justin and happy birthday once again yep happy birthday brother and speaking of we have a patreon page here on the show too fast too forever.com where if you want to support the show you can go over there and kick us a couple bucks and get some merch or swag or pick some movies but shout out to cassie wilson jake freer ben milliman nick burris alex ellen and justin kleinman there you go 
Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Mon- Montez. For supporting the $5 level or above, thank you all so much. We are finally, I think, I would say, entering the home stretch of this lap. After this, we have like 15 more. We still have a lot more episodes this lap, but we are wow. two-thirds through this lap. Unless something changes, I don't know what would change. January 1st, New Year's Day, will be the last episode of this lap. So we start lap eight oh, that's the cool. following week. Yes. So basically the rest of this year is this lap, and then we're going to start the next lap next year. So if you want to know what those laps are, if you want to get picks in, too fast too forever.com check out the tiers kick a couple bucks if you can please and thank you yes yes we also have an email address here on the show family at cageclub.me and joe we have two emails to read tonight first up from wells lamont subject line took you adrift what up wells it's such bad parenting to send a troubled youth to a foreign country where he doesn't speak the language also yep. fuck zachary ty bryant the only time it's acceptable to choke your girlfriend is if you're both on some fetish shit and she's into it <laughs> Consent is appropriate. When that news came out, which we did not talk about in here, but he was arrested on some, uh, or, you know, some restraining order or some, like, I don't even remember because I blocked did it out. so much. Do yeah. you remember he did so much weird shit? He, like, he, like, got divorced and copied and, like, he, like, Oh, yeah, copied, yeah, he copied. He plagiarized. Yeah, Instagram divorce thing. Like, we're still going to be friends. Like, like verbatim. And I was just like, dude, what are you, what are you do, doing? Like, you don't write your own, like, how do you plagiarize a divorce post? And the only thing that I saw that maybe made sense is they have the same publicist, but even then, like, that publicist is not good because it's like, hey, mix it up. Yeah, exactly. Like, we obviously caught on. But I realized when I made on Too Fast, Too Fast, on, on our Twitter page, I made our, a list of all the people who were in the movies because I wanted to retweet people, especially around, like, the George Floyd stuff because I knew that, you know, for a largely people of color like a diverse cast i want to make sure that like we were amplifying not that they need our help but like getting the people yeah. like related to the show and putting you know natalie Manuel was tweeting things and the rock and tyrese and looted and whatever so i was i made a list and i was like here's all the people in the movies and like within two minutes of making the list i was like oh zachary <laughs> ty Bryan off the list because he just like he was so blatantly like maga and just like fuck like i'm just like dude like i don't like whatever like just you know we hate you in the movies we're gonna keep it there we're not gonna bring you into real life because it's too much it's too much and then he's got this so you know peace be with you amen football team totally cheats for brad by blocking sean when they're racing super unfair (laughs) oh oh i guess i have a new date to prom and then brad proceeds to slam his eighty thousand dollar car into sean's piece of shit like the race was over or something never made sense to me yeah yeah i agree why would you wreck this viper into the car it never makes sense roid rage yeah maybe I never realized how much Han really misses Giselle and Dom and the team. When he's explaining to Sean about cowboys in Mexico, you can hear the pain in his voice and see the sorrow in his face. You can, but he didn't know that he was missing Giselle and (laughs) the team at that point. I don't think that anyone did. Unless the time travel in these movies is so authentic that it has extended into real life. And yeah, Sung Kang is actually from the future. (laughs) Possibly. That will be fun. I never fully realized that in the opening credits of this movie, Brad and the football team are bashing a Native American pinata. I'm sure it's a rival school's mascot and they're playing each other that week, but out of context, it looks terrible yeah the optics aren't great on that yeah i'm sure that they're playing like you know the indians but still and then he says okay bros i'll catch you on the other side peace out a town down peace out brother thanks for writing in 
Good to hear from you, as always. Second email today from Jerry Robinson, subject line, Grave Digger. Okay. I remember the old Monster Jam commercials as a kid, and I always hear, Kid Seeds are just five bucks, and oh yeah, that's featuring right. multiple for- champion Grave Digger, like the guy <laughs> trying to make it more manly than what it needs to be. I've never been to one, <laughs> even though I wanted to. Did you know... There's another Grave Digger truck called Grave Digger the Legend, though not as legendary as the original. <laughs> no, but that's a great fact. This is like in, in New York, Joey will know this, but like in Manhattan, there's like all of these pizza places. Then there's like Ray's and Original Ray's and Famous Original Ray's. They're all just just normal pizza shops, but they have this like fight going on. To know that legendary Grave Digger the legend is not as legendary as Grave Digger is really fun for me. Thank yeah. you for that. And that's all the emails that we have, so thank you to Wells, thank you to Jerry. If you want to email in family at cageclub.me if you want to let us know about a movie or a monster truck or anything in between, family at cageclub. Me. Check in. Say hi. How are you feeling? Joe, on the streets, Fast and Furious News, is there anything you've seen since we last recorded? I feel like I saw something like tangentially, like maybe like something about someone that's in the movies, but I don't I don't think so. Maybe. I have one thing that was from a clickbait article that is not news, but I almost didn't click on it. I was okay. just like, I'm, I just want to see like what this article is, because it was on Polygon.com, which is a video game website, and it said yeah. the 10 most viewed YouTube videos of all time. Because, the reason this came up is because this week, the Baby Shark Dance video just passed Despacito. Um, it has like oh. 7.05 billion views, so it just okay. passed uh, Despacito. But the reason I bring it up is because the See You Again music video is the number four video of all time, the fourth oh. most watched video of all time, 4.79 billion views. Jesus Christ, that's a ton. The yeah, only I mean, other one that's song. above it is the Ed Sheeran music video for Shape of You. So Baby Shark, Despacito, Shape of You, and then See You Again. So Paul Walker, Forever in Our Hearts, and on the YouTube Top 10 Most Viewed Videos. Like, almost that's 5 insane billion. To think. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And to, to imagine that that song is more than, like, Gaga or something, you know what I there's, mean? Yeah, like, there's no Gaga in the top 10. There was, like, there was Psy. There were a couple of things. Like, there's a couple of kids things that I just straight up have never heard of because I'm not in that world. Like, like I know Baby Ariana Shark. Grande. Baby Shark. But, like, other things, I'm like, I, I, I don't I don't know. There's all these, like, weird videos that the guy that I work with would, like, get into these weird holes about, and he, like, told me about them, and we found them, and they're so fucking strange. But do you know about these videos that they, like, make on YouTube for kids? It's, like, a fake cartoon with, like, no words, and it's just, like, CG- like shitty CGI of, like, Spider-Man and, like, SpongeBob and, like, every character that a kid would like, like, totally just stolen and then made into a cartoon that doesn't make any sense. Like, they just do, like, weird things in the cartoons. No, but it reminds me of that one episode of uh, Corporate from this year where they were all about the, like, they had their Pickles whole Pickles for breakfast. Streaming. Yeah. You find them, and once you find one, these have, like, like a billion views each. And they're, like, these, like, ten-minute videos that make no sense. Every character you can imagine all in one cartoon doing, like, the dumbest shit. Monetize that shit, baby! That's what they do! And, like, like I'm sure that these dudes are making, like, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars by making stupid CGI cartoons that are copyright infringements, so... It's very funny to me that every time I post one of our podcasts on YouTube, which if you want to listen to on YouTube, if you want, I mean, you could watch, but there's not, just a still image, but if you want to yeah. listen or watch on YouTube, it's just youtube.com slash too fast too forever. Every time I upload a video, it says, is this for children? I'm like, no, like, when are you going to know? Like, the default, like, no, it's not, it's not for children. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, that was the only news, quote-unquote news, that I found, because... Pretty cool, though. I like not that. Really that was a fun tidbit. Not really any news that's come out. Still haven't listened to Vin's song. I rearranged the... I we got, listened to it. Oh, you did? 
Is it good? Yeah, it was good. We liked it. I mean, it's as good as the last one. You know what I mean? It's not something that like I'm like, man, did you hear this new banger that Vin Diesel put out? But it's also fun and yeah. That's good. That's important. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. So Joe, the only other thing to do left before we take a break and bring in the Mikester to talk about Machete Kills is the Fast and the Furious minute. We're getting so near the end. Did you did you explain just as a side? Did you explain that? Oh we, like, yeah, I guess you lost. didn't listen to the episode. Yeah, so we're not we're not doing the loss for the minute anymore. We recorded the last one. I'm just like this isn't it's not working. Like it's weird. It's weird to me. It fell apart instantly. Yeah, it was just like, oh, yeah, okay. It was just weird. So we are not going to do that. We might do the other TV thing, although I don't know if the other TV thing is going to make sense either. We no. might just fit that in how we're going to do Lost. Like, as you guys watch Lost, you'll talk about it a little bit more on the extracurricular activities, but, like, we did, like, a 15-minute segment where it's just, like, like even, even did when we're Did you save the segment? I do. I have it. Yeah, I didn't edit it, but I, I saved it. I extracted it, so we have it. It was probably the best segment of Lost that I've ever talked about in my opinion, but also was the worst segment of loss we've ever talked about in everybody's opinion. As I was listening, like, I literally can't say anything. And, like, there's yes. nothing I can do. And I was just like, this is a bummer. Because uh, I want to keep watching Lost, but it's just like, I, I, I need something else. And I else, get it, man. So. Anyway, thank you all for voting. Turns out the winner might be neither of them. It was weird. It, it just, like, it hit this thing and... It makes sense, and we'll we'll eventually fix it, but we don't need to fix it, but you know. Yeah. You, you know. Yeah. You guys know. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Perfect. Everybody knows. Yeah, I put a little uh, minute-long thing in the last thing, but the Fast and Furious Minute, Minute 99, we're getting so near the end. I don't Very know if it's a great close. title or not, but I just called it, because the next one is going to be, what is tease at the end of this, I'm going to call the next one, which we'll get to, but Minute 99, Sirens Approach. So in this minute, after the accident, Brian pulls his car over and races toward Dom's car. Dom, panting, snakes his way out of the car through his window. Sirens begin to sound as the police close in on Dom and Brian. Brian offers Dom the keys to his car. As the minute ends, keys come up. So, like I was saying, there is the song that starts this minute, Hand the Keys by BT, which I feel like that'll be Minute 100's title, like Hand the Keys. Because Sirens Project, there's not a lot that goes on in this minute. I feel like we're saying that a lot lately, but like... There's not a lot that goes on in this minute. There is not a lot that goes on in this minute. But I did notice something cool, because, like, especially in minutes like this, we're watching them, and we're still watching them a bunch of times, so I, I try to find something interesting that, that I didn't notice before. Okay. Brian and Dom, like, he wrecks. They get out of the cars. He's, like, you know, doing, like, the stare down at Dom. We start to hear the sirens, right? Yep. And a truck just drives by behind them, and I'm like, did this guy not hear? You know when you hear a car crash, you can hear it for, like, a while? Yep. So, like, this truck driver just didn't give a fuck and just drove right by. And then I'm thinking, like, because this is a shipping facility, 
and because they're recording there, do you think that this guy was actually just like he doesn't? It's like a shipping truck. I always so wonder I, in those kind of things, like where they got the rights, like how much of the road they got to close down. Like I'm sure that for a yes. movie that's being that's made by Universal, this is all blocked off. Like I think they're like, hey, we we know that you have to operate a business, but like we need like this two hours, like you just can't use it. Like there's some like you get or you, you get like work around them, right? Right. Like you're like you have a guy that stands there and is like, okay, you guys can go while they're setting up the shot, and then they're like, stop. But no, there's like a truck that like drives by them on the street. So like for bigger movies, not that this like, compared to the later movies in the franchise, this is not a big movie at all. It's just a big movie because it's backed by Universal. It's not you know Fate of the Furious with like a two hundred fifty million dollar budget or whatever, right? But like this is still a big movie. It's still got the funding. Like they want to do everything by the book. They have the permits. We've talked yeah. about for Tokyo Drift like the stolen shots of Tokyo where they're not supposed to be filming, but they filmed anyway, whatever. But as I'm watching smaller movies, I'm always like, oh, that truck driving in the background probably is just a truck. Like they they might have gotten the rights to close this thing down probably do they really have it are they kind of stealing shots like it's i don't understand like the location scouting and the permit side of things almost at all like i kind of know how it's supposed to happen but like how often it actually happens it could be a hundred percent of the time or like 20 like i don't know i don't know and when we were talking to guest brian silliman he said that like you know as he was driving around the block in new york in men in black that like people were trying to get in his cab so yeah. You can't shut off, like, a whole block. Yeah, they probably shut down, like, for Men in Black, I would guess they probably shut down, like, one block. block, you know, like, one short block. But then as soon as you get out of there, then it's just, like, it's you're in the wild, right? So Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's a couple other cars. Are these cars, the other cars you noted, aside from the truck, are they also driving or are they parked? In a fenced-in parking, like, in a fence behind Dom, if you, like, look over his shoulder, there's some cars behind him. And I just thought it was interesting that I've never noticed those cars before either. And that there's, like, a white minivan and, like, a white truck, and it looks like kind of like a... I didn't put this in there because I couldn't fully make it out, but it looks kind of like a um, like a tow truck. You can barely make them out, and they're only in the shot for, like, a like millisecond. Even though we're at the very end of the movie, when I see things, they both feel brand new, and also, like, I've seen them a million times because I have. The way that Dom is panting, and then the way that he pulls himself out of the car, both feel like I've never seen those before in my life. Like, I'm sure I have, and I'm sure, I, like, I've thought about seeing them, but they feel alien to me. What is, what is going on here? Like, it's just, he's so, like, I don't know if he's scared. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's angry. I don't know what Dom is panting about, or maybe it's a little bit of everything, but, like, it seems heightened and almost comical in a way. And then the way he, like, snakes himself out like he's a race car driver. Because, like, yeah. he didn't even, I don't even, we didn't see him try the door. He just, like, goes out and, like, but he gets out in the Through way, the like, window. almost without yeah. using his hands. I was like, what are you, like, how are you doing this? But I also think that that's because, like, there's, like, a roll cage in it. And I don't know if that door actually, do we ever mm. see him open the door of the car? I don't know. What was it? There was some movie that we were doing. Maybe it was Last Lap in the classic car movie. There was some movie where, like, I found trivia where, like, they showed somebody's feet but it wasn't them because like there was something like it's not the door thing but it's like the insert shots you see of people opening doors might not actually be the same car or the same person altogether like it might be yes, wildly yeah. different so yeah i don't know exactly also like brian looks like he's crying did you notice that yes well i saw you had it in the notes and when i was watching one of the minute one of the times then i was like yeah dude like it really looked like he was tearing up right like he has like one little tear in his eye when he's looking at dom he's like very concerned for his well-being it's very strange i like, never noticed it before. like there's a chance it's just a windy day and paul walker's eyes are watering from the wind but it also feels like either he's you know the love of his life he's never gonna see anymore or like his career is over or like yeah. any number of things it just it's a very you know you'd pointed out last minute i think 
about how like this is the first time that they share that loving embrace that like not embrace but the stare at each other like that's almost yes. the staring drive a little bit right yeah exactly it fails exactly. Yeah, here he's crying a little. I'm like, oh man, like Brian, like it's gonna be okay, my man. Like you're gonna lots more movies with this guy. Like don't worry about it. <laughs> I know, right? And the only other thing that I noticed, and this is what I have as a trivia question. I don't know if it's good or not, but we've got Dom with a visible cut on the left side of his head, and he's bleeding. Unless you have a better idea, the only thing I could think of that was not like, how does Dom exit the car? Which feels like a weird question. After the final race, where does Dom have a visible wound? The answer is his head. Do you have a better question or a different question than that? No. Oh wait, the only other thing that I was thinking is um what does dom say after the race and he goes that's not what i had in mind because i think that that line was great and i've never thought about that before so that's leading to what i want maybe the question next minute to be is i we had a question like in minute three or whatever like what's the first line of dialogue in the movie and it's shit it's brian saying shit like i want to have a question yes. like what's the last word we hear before the credits and like i don't know that i have no idea what the last line is ah uh, yeah i don't know either so i'm gonna say for now let's do my question and then that's fine. Because the next minute, I think, I think, is the last minute before the credits. Like, we might even hit credits next minute. We might have, I don't know, literally any minute now. Not even, like, hype, like you know, in the metaphorical any yeah. minute now, but, like, literally any minute now, the movie will end. If it's not memorable, we could do this, because I think the that's not what I had in mind is a very funny line. But I want to have that, like, what's the last line? We'll see what it is. I don't know, because I, do, I don't know what it is, because I don't know, I don't remember this line either, so I'm right there with you. Yeah, that works for me. Minute 99, Sirens Approach, after the film's final race. Where does Dom have a visible wound? And the answer is his head. The other answers are his arm, his chest, or his neck. Those are good. Yeah, those are good options, too. All right, Joe, let's take a break. Let's bring in Mike Manzi, and let's talk about Machete Kills to wrap up Robert Rodriguez's week and a half. Machete Kills. This episode is brought to you by Space.Storage. Privacy, privacy, privacy. All files stored and shared in space are fully encrypted, meaning space can never open your files or view any of the content of your files, and no one else can either. Only you. Shout out to Space.Storage. Well, shout out to Space.Storage, and welcome back to our final, our finale. Machete Kills may never be, Machete may never be a trilogy, but this is our trilogy of Robert Rodriguez movies with Michelle Rodriguez in them, varying degrees. This one, probably the middle, uh, very briefly in Alita, slightly less briefly, but not much more than briefly. It's a weird way of saying it, but she's not in this movie a ton. No. But with us, back from the last episode, we have our machete correspondent, Mr. Mike Manzi. Hello, Mike. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, good to talk to you. Uh, I just returned from space, and... Uh... <laughs> There might have been an incident. Were you, like <laughs> she at the end of this movie, trapped in carbonite? <laughs> no, not so much, but I'm worried that there might be um, genetically modified clones of me running around somewhere. Oh, Ooh. boy. 
That would be a scary thought. <laughs> I don't want to see any more Joe 2s, and I don't want to see any more Mikesters. No, sir. One is enough. One is plenty for the world. Will we be I'm saying sure. the same about Machete? Well, yeah, because one I mean, is in, enough. In, this movie begins with a trailer for Machete Kills Again in Space, which is a movie that has not happened yet, and according to Danny Trejo, might not happen because he got too big for Robert Rodriguez, but also just more specifically, <laughs> Robert Rodriguez is is busy. Like, do we miss anything, Mike, in that in that article? It just seemed like he was like Danny Trejo says he got too big for his cousin to make movies about him or anymore? Like, what actually was that article about? <laughs> well, so it started where I was vlogging this movie on Letterboxd, and I saw that Machete Kills Again in Space is slotted for a 2023 release, so I went and started Google searching it and stuff, and this one particular article just popped up, and it's kind of recent, right? And I think he was being more tongue-in-cheek, because Danny Trejo so, is not a giant star. Like, I think he no. was just joking about that part, uh, and I think it's more sort of like what? we were bringing up at the end of the last episode is like Robert Rodriguez just been fucking busy. Like he's got the TV station, he's got family life, like everyday things are getting in the is way. Is he doing Mandalorian? Did he do yeah. the whole Mandalorian? He's doing an episode, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I saw like in that article there was like a picture of him with Baby Yoda and I was like, did he do all of Mandalorian? No, Mandalorian <laughs> is Favreau, isn't it? Yeah, it's mostly Favreau and then I'm not sure the other guy with the cowboy hat who came over from um, all the animated stuff. Fillion or Filoni or something. But I definitely hope Treo shows up in the Mandalorian one day. Like, he would be a badass Mando. Oh. Like, that would be so cool if one of them took their helmet off and it was Danny Trejo. But, like, yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I would not put this out of the realm of possibilities of one day happening. I, you know, most of the movie seems to have already been filmed in the trailer. It's just like, like usual. <laughs> fill in the blank sort of situation one day. I, I'd be down to watch it. And this one leads up to it. Like, you... You're clearly getting there. Yeah, no, the the first movie is a standalone, and this is part one of two, essentially. Yeah, we're getting to space, we know space is coming, they're going to space, this is what happens. And maybe that's how Fast 9 ends, right? Like, they go oh. to space, but it's not actually about space, like, they're, you know... Oh, you're right. Fuck, that's such a good thing, because we talk about Emrod and Luda leaked that they're going to space... So yeah, maybe, and then like Dom has to like catch up in space or something. I didn't realize how much Michelle Rodriguez had been in space already. Like, wasn't she on the moon in Alita, and like now she's yep. uh, in a orbiting space station and in this movie and stuff. Like, this, that was and uh, she's in Avatar, and which is space-ish, oh, right. sort of. Damn, kind of. I totally forgot. Yeah, she had to go yeah, through space right. to get there. Mike, you had you seen this movie before, Mike? I had seen this exactly once in theaters. Like I mentioned in the last episode, I just forgot most of it. I just mostly remembered Mel Gibson showing up. That's about it. This was my second time watching it. Um, I definitely liked it more this time. I like it less than the first movie. Uh, we'll get into the reasons and differences and stuff, but I mean, it's a completely different sort of take, I feel, on the same sort of idea where it's like Machete Part 1 is like, oh, that's sort of a love letter to the old Grindhouse movies that got released in theaters. This feels more like one of those uh, send-up of direct to TV sci-fi movie type situations maybe mm. or something like he was almost riffing on on the modern day version of what happens like sort of skipped over the whole uh, straight to video and went right to like straight to sci-fi's network or something and I, I I kind of got into it this time thinking about it that way because you know there's no film degradation uh, right like there's no True. damage to any of that you know the first time I think I, I was missing it and this time I wasn't and there's just a hell of a lot going on though I think it's definitely overstuffed <laughs> um, you know he's got like a hundred great ideas and maybe executes like 10 or 15 of them pretty well well I have a little bit of background on that first but before I get there Joe what did you think because you had never seen either of these before this week so what did you think of this one I guess overall, and then in comparison to the first movie. I like this a lot. The first one's probably going to stand up better without Machete 
kills in space. This one's a little bit more flat. Mike hit it on the head when he said that like there's a lot of moving parts in this one. It seems like he might have had too many ideas and tried to put them all together into one. There's like a lot of cameos in a cameo sense. I remember we talked about that last time, that everybody seems to be like coming and going like pretty quickly in this. But no, I still really liked it. And like, if they made seven more of these, I would still watch them. <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, I'm no a little surprised that Rodriguez hasn't just given his blessing to up-and-coming filmmakers from Texas to be like, go make the next Machete movie, like, here. Like, you know what I mean? Just like... Yeah, and like spin-offs, like She, and like all this, whatever they want to do. Just like, take the characters and run. Like, it doesn't matter, right? I don't know, but I don't... We don't know how much of a... How much of a integral part of him this is. Like, how dear he holds it to his heart. Well, that's what's interesting, because much like the last movie seemed to have been co-directed, this one is, like, also a collaborative effort, right? With, like, the editing and the writing, and, like, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's just a Robert Rodriguez behind the helm. It feels more like a uh, collaborative effort in general, so that's why it just seems a little stranger to me now that when we're this far removed from this particular movie, there hasn't been, like, a whole series. I mean, we're up to, like, what, seven or eight Tremors movies, and they're coming out on Netflix at this point. Are we really? Yeah, I think the new one, the Shrieker Island, is like part six or seven. This would definitely... And, and Dust Till Dawn went on to make like four or five movies. So, you know, it's just a little strange. The reason I guess this is maybe more collaborative, so his brother Marcel Rodriguez co-wrote this and co-edited this with him. And the reason this wasn't just a solo Rebel Without a Crew, Robert Rodriguez classic thing is because he was working on Sin City 2 while he was making this movie. Mm. And so he and his brother Marcel wrote a script mint, which is half script, half treatment, um, which is the, it was like a 40 page thing with some dialogue in there. And then they hired this guy, Kyle Ward, to come in and actually write the screenplay. And then I guess in the post process, uh, he did not have enough time to edit the thing on his own, so he and Marcel did it together. I didn't really like this movie, and like I didn't remember anything about it other than La Chameleon, because I remembered Lady Gaga being in this, because Joe, <laughs> yeah. this is like a year before yeah. Horror Story Hotel. This is like a year after mm. she was in Men in Black 3. Like This is her becoming Lady Gaga, the all-around talent. Yeah. Yes, okay. I remembered her being in that. I didn't remember anything else. Like I think what frustrates me about this movie is that it's filled with people I like, and I think this is the joke, it's how you get all these people, but they're on screen for four minutes and then they are gone. And I just feel like it's yes. chaotic in a way that isn't fun. It's like, oh, mm. we like, because when we, when you and I were joking about doing that, not joking about, but like toying around the idea of like doing a Vanessa Hudgens podcast, I forgot that she was like, I remember this movie Same. now on the list. And if we had watched this for that, we would have been like, oh, like what? Like she's in the movie for a couple minutes and, and then killed. she is um, shot and thrown at a helicopter and dies and never comes back. Like, it's not like yep. one of those where, like, oh, she could, no, no, she's just gone. Yeah, I thought they were going to letty her, like, last time and be like, okay, mm. cool, like, now she's a half a cyborg or something. And it was like, nope. Like, we have Amber Heard, who's in a decent amount of this movie, but I really like her. We have Michelle Rodriguez in, like, ten minutes. Uh, we have Sofia Vergara in a couple minutes. Like, even the stuff that, the people who are in it more, like, Charlie Sheen's in it a little bit more. All of the stuff that he shot with Danny Trejo in the presidential office, like the, the Oval Office or whatever, that was all shot separately. Like, they never shot, they never filmed those scenes together. So I think that yeah. it's, it's noticeable even that way. It's like, oh, like, we will cater to you, Charlie Sheen, like, your schedule, whatever you want, whatever you need, but it feels like that. Like, it's just yeah. not as fun or as, like, hey, let's, like, do this cool thing. It's like, oh, now this has to become a thing. And I was just kind of a little underwhelmed by it, unfortunately. Like, I still mm. like this. I still have fun. There's still stuff in here that I love compared to that first one, which I think is just great and, like, for what it is and, like, even more than what it is. Like, it's just so special and especially you know for 
for this and watching it for Michelle Rodriguez, this just underwhelmed me, unfortunately. I just, I was bummed. I can know, see that. And like, I didn't, and like, again, it's one of those things where like, when we talked about with Spy Race season two with Nick, Nico and Kevo, I don't hate it. It's just like, I'm kind of like mad to a lot of it. And that's mm. underwhelming. Like, I don't even know, I don't have a ton to say. Like, I have notes and stuff, but like, I don't have a lot to say because I don't, I don't hate it. It's just like, oh, I wish this was better. It's interesting. I definitely feel what you're talking about. I think I had that same frustration and sort of disconnection the first time I was watching this in theaters because I really wasn't like having fun or getting into it that much when I was watching it the first time. Part of it, and I don't know if it's the whole part, but part of it comes down to where Robert Rodriguez is as a filmmaker in this particular time of his life. Like as, like, and I'm talking like the way he makes movies, like technically, I think the Sin City thing might have been getting to his head a little bit because this does feel like Arrested Development, like season four. And I remember even sitting in theaters at Sin City being like, I love this, but something feels a little off. And then I'm watching the special features when the DVD comes out and it's like, oh, well, these guys aren't even acting next to each other. He's just getting people when they're available and plopping them in, you know, sort of like a puzzle piece and filling in the spaces with these people as characters. So like, it feels that you feel that disconnection more I feel like this time around there isn't stuff like the grading of the film to mask any of the effects or any of that kind of uh, stuff stylistically it really bleeds through a lot more and and I'd hear where you're coming from and I feel like I felt that too just maybe not as much and I was sort of getting into it a lot more because I just watched the first one so recently like it was a lot of that was carrying over but you're right like I think it, it is like a little too little of too much doesn't go enough like and it just sort of yeah. like starts things just start feeling like oh this is just too much for me like it feels like the first was like a passion project and then this just seems like a oh like we got to do another one yeah it does feel a little more forced um a little faster you know definitely also like way more computer effects that are noticeable right and i think he was way more into blending that at least in the last one i mean and you got tom savini here on set i'm shocked that there aren't more dummies and blood bags and things like that happening around the place yeah all that can definitely add up it's tough let's to find out he was filming Sin City 2 at the same time like dude just bites off Dana Kill 4 came out the year after so I think he was probably like filming or doing pre like because that movie has way more effects because that's all like almost entirely computer right so like he probably started and finished this one in the middle of all of that I would imagine maybe just stretching himself too thin possibly it feels like yeah you have too many ideas and you want to get too much stuff done nothing comes out as perfect as you imagine. To the Tom Savini point, Mike, like, I watched Planet Terror before I watched Machete, and, like, that feels, like, very of a kind, where it's just, like, practical effects and just, like, over-the-top gross-out, and this is just all, like, CGI blood and stuff, and, like, the effects are kind of cool, like, the molecule gun that turns a person inside out is, like, a cool idea, but it's, like, you, you had Tom Savini there, right? Like, you could have done something, like, grosser, and instead of just, like, red skeletons kind of kind of kind of <laughs> yeah yeah again like lots of really cool concepts i mean you almost should have just skipped right to the third one if you ask me right like just make the trailer at the oh. beginning for part two and then we're right into part three you know that would have been oh. cool in my book that's such a genius idea mike that's such a genius idea that you just like didn't like two is like lost because that's not what really he, that's what he kind of did and there's parts of this movie that very much remind me of Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Like, that also has a blind gunslinger by the end of the movie. But that movie has flashbacks to a movie he never made. And he's like, yeah, so technically this is part four. I never made part three because story-wise I didn't want to tell that story in its entirety. So I just did flashbacks to, like, their wedding. Um, and then, like, him with his new, like, forging his new vendetta. And so that way, like, throughout 
part four, you sort of get caught up with the movie that, as he put it, sort of like got lost in distribution. <laughs> it's like all the copies were just burned or something. You know, it's sort of that yeah. idea. It's just like in the independent market, like once in a while, a film gets shelved forever or something that never happens. So like it was in his sort of idea well. Um, he could have like done that again because it seems like the movie he wants to make is machete kills in space right like that's what this is like this seems like a a a thing you need to do but like you don't need to do it like what you're saying is you're making a movie that is a reference to an earlier day of cinema where like just like there's missing reels in grindhouse movies right like it feels like all those things where just make the movie you want to make and we'll catch up like okay cool like there was a crazy guy who like sent a rocket into outer space with a bunch of people on there and we have to go stop him like okay cool we got it yeah i've seen yeah, moonraker I, I, yeah. I know that movie like this whole second half with mel gibson's just moonraker and and that's great and all but it also feels like two movies jammed into one like the whole mel gibson stuff almost feels like the first act of part three and like all this mm-hmm. stuff with part two with the bomb and and the cartel guy while it's amusing and, and fun at times and stuff it's just like that's more like machete one and then this movie takes like a super hard turn into like all this crazy sci-fi stuff it just doesn't have that balance here either where there's some kind of like smoother transition or i don't know what what a what it could have been but like something's a little off center <laughs> it's a bummer because like not only are there some fast connections that we can talk about but there's like fun like it does seem like he's having fun here like the whole like put on your 3d glasses for the 3d sex scene like there's stuff here that like yes. i haven't seen in other things that is reminiscent of other you know grindhousey stuff but like overall i just i just don't know what to make of this the first one felt very 80s grindhouse. This one felt very much like an homage to black exploitation movies based on like the scoring, the weird sci-fi introduction, and the kind of effects that they were using. It reminded me of like when we watched like Blackenstein and him putting Trejo in a role that's like even more super fly or shaft type of feel than he was in the first one. Mm. That's what I was picking up this one that I didn't like I didn't really connect the first time and I was thinking maybe he took like a directional shift to make a different kind of homage this time. It's interesting. I wrote somewhere along the lines of my notes like this is more sort of pure exploitation. Like there's no real there you go. there's no real like yeah. message the way there was in the first one. The first one's like Night of the Living Dead. There's like a <laughs> like a sneak attack message if like the more you watch that like the later it gets, like the more relevant it becomes and stuff. But this one doesn't really have that. Like they're more it's more like riffing on pop culture, which is strange, and I never felt like was really a Rodriguez sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is an actual term, but like maybe mexploitation? Mexploitation's like, a thing, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like it feels way more like something like that this time around, where he's, you know, they even he even doesn't die twice in the movie, right? Like, he just can't be killed. Like, he's pure myth now, and like the legend incarnate whereas in the first movie he seemed more human and fallible at times and stuff and he needed more help and you know he had all these strong women helping him and things and this one right out the bat his girlfriend gets fridged it's like what is going yeah. on like you're sending that <laughs> message right out of the gate like i i was frustrated that because i love jessica alba in the first movie and i just love her overall whatever but like i feel probably like that's probably yeah that's probably like i can't film this movie like i wish i could i can't but i'll be there for a day or two like i think it's unfortunate she gets killed like the way that it's handled but like i also think that it's kind of one of those like i just i, I don't have the time yeah. i don't want to give that a pass but i kind of understand that but then again just recast her or just have her like on a yes like we were talking about on a recent episode with nico and kevo like have her just like off on a secret mission somewhere right like they don't have yeah. to still be together yes. right? so yeah it's the idea of just of killing her off 
as opposed to being like she's doing something super cool that you don't see. There's like way more. I feel like like sort of um, focus on like sex and sexuality way more. And like we get a bordello straight out of Dust Till Dawn and this. And like, well, that's some of like my favorite stuff. I also almost feel a little guilty for enjoying it so much. But like well, the titty bra railgun and like yeah, all that. She's got the the strap on. From Dust Till Dawn, the um, six-shooter between her legs and everything. What's weird about that, and, like, I haven't seen the Spy Kids movies, but, like, the Spy Kids girl is one of those working yes. girls. I think it's Alexa Pena Vega. And at one point, you know, she's wearing essentially, like, assless chaps, and she turns around. You hear the Spy Kids theme. No, really? Oh, I didn't catch that. I don't know, what because I haven't seen those movies, but, like, in the... <laughs> trivia in the trivia yeah you hear it's i'm like what like really part two is actually kind of quite creepy. good i really like spy kids too <laughs> rachel's a big fan she likes them a lot like it just she spins around and like when you see her ass for like a moment why that's like, borderline it feels like, creepy it feels like yeah. you're like making a joke about like look at this girl like i sexualized this girl that like i kind of not gave a career to but like you know like, it's just but a like, weird yeah, thing she's all grown up now and we can leer at her it's like that doesn't seem in the cool. era of grooming that was probably not a good choice right probably i mean <sighs> have you guys seen sin city 2 i mean unfortunately that's kind of a spectacular disaster as well and for many no, of the I same reasons for that like, reason i don't know what was going on with that there just isn't the same sort of soul in there and it also has uh, women just like walking through that movie completely naked half the time for no reason all that same misogynistic stuff i mean that's also on like you know the actual story and frank miller and all that other shit going on behind it but i'm just saying like was there really a need to make sin city 2 in the first place could any have just focused it would have i would have preferred him to just focus more on the machete series it's his or at least that you know he originated yeah there's just more fun to be had here i don't know and i'm just not having it as much as i wanted i guess because like the thing about both like the machete series and the way that sin city 2 kind of flopped like it almost makes you think like oh this guy is not a guy who wants to do franchises but like he did spy kids he did the desperado trilogy like the mariachi trilogy like mm-hmm. he's he's totally fine it seems like to enjoy the franchise element of things right like yeah i just i don't under, i don't i don't know why it doesn't work maybe because he's doing both at the same time yeah, yeah. that could be and I mean, also probably like we were talking about last time, like probably while getting his TV network up and running and like whatever, like there's a lot, there's a lot going on here. And and I'll give him this, general. like you look at Alita, right? And it's like I'm kind of like all is forgiven. Like that is kind yeah. of one of those miracle movies, at least technically, where it's just like how did this? Like that looks. I, I imagine like Ready Player One looked at that movie and just like cries in the corner because of the way like that looks and it looks and stuff it's just like in, in, amazing that he made that movie and it's whatever he went through or got over I feel like it's he's over that hill very excited to see whatever else is coming out from now on fingers crossed for part three I think part three can work really easily here and he he might even be able to get Leo to be the voice at least of the man in the uh, silver mask I was talking to Rachel about this and I was like when you know you see the trailer at the beginning of this if you're Leo do you kind of have to do this movie now yeah I don't think you have to do it but I think like like nobody has to do should. anything yeah what's, right what's really weird is how close Rodriguez and Tarantino are and how much Leo went on to work with Tarantino and this is almost like yes. my best friend's actually working with Leonardo DiCaprio right now on Django or something. And so like, I'll just 
sort of throw this in there as an Easter egg or whatever, as a joke to be like, I got Leo in my movie too. Like, you think you're hot shit? That's where sort of my mind wanders. But, you know, if they were to sort of revisit this franchise at this day and age, I don't see this being beneath Leonardo DiCaprio the way it wasn't beneath Robert De Niro to star in the first one, you know? Exactly. What does he got to do? Like a voiceover, right? Like, because it's just, he doesn't have to actually put the mask and makeup on. He puts him in such a weird position where, like, if Leo doesn't do it, it makes Leo look really bad, and it shouldn't. Well, he gives Leo an out by saying, and himself an out by saying, like, actor subject to change. But I also think he gives him an out in this movie by having us see Mel Gibson become that character. Yes. You have the, whoever it is, like, whatever, whether you have Mel Gibson come back or, or Leo or whatever, the fact that his face is burned and the mask is probably fused to his flesh now, like... He does give him an out. It's a real Destro situation. Did you guys, you guys did G.I. Joe, right? We like, did the first G.I. Joe, yeah. Yeah, at the end of that, he gets, like, the nano mask over his messed up face or whatever, and it's, like, forever fused, I guess, is the idea. He doesn't come back in the sequel, which is far superior. Oh, so what else was, like, sort of a... I mean, I know we're going to get to the fast connections and stuff, but another Tarantino connection is uh, the guy who plays Mendez is Bob, the Mexican from The Hateful Eight. It's just sort of another sort of instance, I guess, of like crossing over. And that guy, this time around, knowing that I knew who he was, like really stood out. I think his performance is actually pretty good. He's the heart bomb guy, right? Yeah. Damien Bashir? Yeah. He's been in a ton of things. Like he was in, FX had a series called The Bridge, which was a remake of like, a Swedish or a Danish show or something that was not great. It was him and Diane Kruger, speaking of Tarantino connections mm. from uh, from Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, like, I've known him because he's, he's been around. I think he's in Narcos. Like, he's in a lot of things. Like, he's great. Like, he's awesome. I don't like his, like, multiple personalities here. Like, that feels like a weird kind of quirk that, like, doesn't work. But yeah, overall, he's amazing. I love him. Yeah, it felt like there was one too many. Um, once he revealed himself to be a secret agent, I was like, we're already going to go to Moonraker. I don't need an actual Bond in this movie. I thought Machete, Machete is James Bond. He's the yeah. Mexican Bond, you know? Like, that's definitely, like, his role in all this. So, uh, it was a little strange they put, like, an extra hat on his character like that. I was just enjoying him having having the two split person. Like, having a split personality is fine, but yeah, you introduce the third, and it's just like, where does it stop? <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan's guy, like, the beast's gonna come out. I was actually enjoying the, the multiple personalities thing, because we did just watch Spy Racers 2 and there was a lot of mind control and it was very reminiscent of that and I was thinking about like Dom turn on the family but we've never seen like a multiple personality guy in the Fastiverse and I was like oh that would be really fun to just have like one character be like oh no like I'm a sweetheart and then be like no I'm a psycho kill like what if like Charlize comes out in 9 and it's just like wow I just woke up this is not what I meant to do I mean it's high together good yeah I mean if the goal of Fast and Furious is to get everybody to be a good guy in the family slam dunk absolutely Absolutely. You just you just like bonk her once with like a pan, and she's like bonk, and she's like, oh man, let me help you guys. Hold yeah. on, shit. Yeah, you have to hack the hacker's mind to like unlock Ooh. the brainwashing. That's amazing. They introduced like legit full on brainwash technology in the Spy Racers series, and that definitely yep. crosses is mind that Etion technology. Or we talked about it. I no. mean, maybe we're, we're, it's it's of a type for sure. All right, that's just because you're right. Like it's the perfect out now to turn any bad guy good again. You know just like on the switch of a dime or whatever. But I also like the idea of like implanting false memories. I think they got into that more with the Vin Diesel movie Bloodshot, right? Where like he was being fed fake memories and stuff. So yeah, we call that bloodshotting, even though like Memento did it 20 years earlier and like a bunch of other movies have done it like way earlier. But for at least for 
me. I, I think Joe is probably yes. If if, if not, uh, I'm trying to call myself dumb in a way that like it's happened so many times. But like to me, it's now just bloodshotting because like it's the first time yes. on this show that we're like, oh, that's the thing that happened. And we saw Memento. We're like, oh, he got bloodshot in Memento. It's like, well, actually, no. I mean, Memento <laughs> was way way earlier, but like. Yeah, to us, especially because it's Vin, you know. And then what else did we watch that somebody got bloodshotted in? Was it Universal Soldier? Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, oh, yeah. Yep. I think that happens mm-hmm. in the original, too. It, these aren't my memories and stuff. Yeah. What Fast Nexions did you find in this? Because I saw oh, a I found a bunch. Yeah. But before we start with Fast Nexions, I just have to... I'm contractually obligated to mention that Sofia Vergara is married to Joe Manganiello. From and Pittsburgh. And he's a Pittsburgh boy. Yep. They are big Steelers fans, and they go to games and wear black and gold all the time. So that's just <laughs> got it out of the way. I'll never not think of that guy as Al Seed from True Blood. Uh, yep. So that is forever yep. the werewolf man in my mind. <laughs> when I think of him, I just think of the guy with uh, who needs the glass slipper in Magic Mike. Ooh. Oh, right. right. So, That's Joe, right. you have not seen the Magic Mike movies, and I don't no. know that you ever will. I mean, you should. But you in will. those movies, yeah. his, he is, his character canonically has such a big penis that he needs to find the woman who can take it all. Oh. And eventually, in the second movie, he does find the one. The um, glass slipper. Oh, and he also does, like, all of the, like, the, the Steelers promo cuts every week now. Who's a bigger fan, him of the Steelers or Patrick Warburton of the Devils? <laughs> they're both pretty good. For, for people who do not need to be, like, they're just celebrities. Like, they're both huge in fans. Their respective, yeah. In their respective ilks, yeah. Patrick Warburton actually dresses up, like, in Seinfeld as part of Putty's character to be a huge Devils fan. Yes. And he, like, puts the face mask. He comes. He room. comes back to Devil's playoff games and yep. does yep. the whole mm-hmm. thing. In terms of that, McConaughey is a big fan of UT Longhorn football. Like that's funny. He was just on Coward yesterday. I was watching him, and he was just sh- like they were showing all the clips of him at UT, and like he like had like a whole breakdown of like how they can become great again. Like his whole like sports analysis of like what they need to do to like turn the program around. The one UT game that I went to, he was at. He was up in a box, and he led the whole like the whole stadium was led in the chant, the Wolf of Wall Street chest bumping. Oh. by him from a box uh, to spur the Longhorns on to a loss. I don't remember who they <laughs> played, but they, they lost uh, pretty bad. That's that's really awesome. Okay, so okay, fast connections. Connection to us first, we said it, Vanessa Hudgens. Sure. There's a quote at the beginning that I thought was very fast, like, I think Michelle Rodriguez says it, but I'm not, I don't remember who. Oh, no, 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 it's Jessica Alba, she says it. She says, you're the one who taught me that the law and justice aren't always the same thing. Ooh. And I was like, oh, that like really plays into the Fast and the Furious because we're always talking about like, are they good guys or bad guys? And yep. like, they're always getting justice, but it's not following the law. So that's kind of interesting. We get to the scene where they have to go collect the the car. And so we go to like the chop shop in Mexico, not Machete's chop shop. And he's going to collect the car, which is very reminiscent of like the ice charger, right? That's sort of the first thing I saw when I, when I thought of when I saw it, but also... In that chop shop, he has multiple oil drum grills. This is straight out of Dom Toretto's backyard. Mm, yeah. Oh, like uh, barbecue grills. Okay, yeah, yeah, Yes. Yeah. Like, he like has, like, a smoker that's made out of an oil drum, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then when they drive past the front of it, he also has a grill that's, like, another oil drum. And I was like, this is really cool, because, we you know, we see Dom cook the chicken on the oil drum grill. Other things. We go through tunnels under the border, yeah. which is... 
very four, right? Yeah, we don't spend way enough time. I figured we were going to get another gimmick somewhere in that tunnel where he had to, like, swerve or turn, or there was, like, you know, make a left, make a right, like, make another right, like, some kind of, you know? Well, I think that's because Fast and the Furious did it already. Well, yeah, I know, but I don't, I know, but still, I'm saying you're, like, down there, you're doing something, Yeah. put something in there, like, drive by a bunch of people digging more tunnel or something else, but, like, you're just in and out of that thing. Very quick. In and out, like right in and right out. So then we get to the part where Machete is with Mel Gibson and he has the heart and they're like doing their whole long trying to get to space. Machete takes a telescope and smashes it and picks up blue bottles. Yep. Puts them in the telescope and like opens them and fires them. We've seen like the Nas harpoon gun, but we've never seen Nas bottles themselves as the, used as the as, bullet, essentially, right? And I was thinking about that because like we shot the we shot the seat out in two with the Nas canisters. We've seen the Nas harpoon gun, but like, what if they had a tube that could shoot the Nas bottle like into a car? And I thought that would be really interesting. That they like they need a Nas refill, and so they use the they shoot it into the car, and it like no, no, no. I was thinking like you know they're fighting a tank, and Brian's like, I don't have anything to shoot at this tank anymore i'm all out of bullets oh and, okay like a and nice tyrese rocket. is like but yeah and tyrese is like but i have this big pipe and they're like just crank it and like they light the end of it and it just like shoots like a rocket launcher at the car yeah it's interesting don't they they use the nos to sort of juice up that little like grappling gun or whatever the harpoon gun yeah. right but it, it, they should have had the idea like someone should have walked up and been like why don't you just shoot a can of nos out of that thing and then they could have exactly. looked at each other and been like you're so Ah, that's so obvious, yeah. (laughs) And we have, like, giant vehicles now with, like, buses and, like, a tank that you can't take down. Isn't that, like, the ultimate thing? And they kind of, like, jaws it. They, like, shoot the NOS tank into it and, like, shoot at the NOS tank and blow it up. And that would be a really cool thing that I'm like, why have we never seen that before? Like, you do every other type of explosion. So we talk a lot about Michelle Rodriguez in 6. I'm always fixated on the line that I can't believe they convinced her to say... I thought you were team muscle. Don't make me come over there and make you team pussy. And we're like, how did they get her to say this? And it's a very stupid line of dialogue. Like, in this movie, she uses that word again, like, three or four times. Sofia Vergara uses it, too. And I feel like that's more of a stretch for somebody who is, like, (sighs) who is known as whatever her name the is mom. on Modern Family. No, because I think that that's like a fun gag that like, you know, you get like a wholesome person to say something raunchy. Michelle Rodriguez uses it in a derogatory way. Like she's not even talking about vaginas. Like she's not even using it as like slang for that. And I'm like, God damn it. That's the second time they got her to say that. We start to notice these things as we're watching the actress. I mean, she like, said you condom know. in three different movies, right? Like it's... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, so how do we get her to say, like, it doesn't feel natural either. This isn't like something that I really expect a lot of people to be using. I guess it's maybe it's just my friend circle or something. Like these aren't like words that like come out of their mouths a lot. To hear a woman say it now in two different movies, it just feels like it's very jarring when I hear it. And then immediately afterwards, she gives a little kind of Letty nod where she says, like, I knew I smelled bitch in the air tonight, or it was before it. And I was like, oh, that's very, like, sniff, sniff, I smell skanks. And I wonder (laughs) if he was doing that or if it just, like, played into the movie. Do you think that, like, it was a nod to Letty or no? Maybe. More realistically, it's just um, what we were talking about, her being coded male and just having, like, very tough aggro things to say. You know what I mean? Like, one of those just, like, Fair. Yeah, it's also getting sort of a bit of her like Resident Evil 
SWAT team member coming through a little because she doesn't make she's it's not like the first movie where like she sort of turns into she we see like a there's a drastic shift sort of even in the way she Mm -hmm. dresses and this is just from the beginning it doesn't really go anywhere unfortunately I don't know where you could have taken it because it already starts at like 10 but part of me also thinks like she was just allowed to like throw down some lines of her own if she wanted to like what do you you know like let me do like do a take is that her go like we talk about like (laughs) Tyrese's go-to is take his shirt off and eat something right like when they're like improvise like that's what he does in the movies so it's like her go-to like I smell bitch like I give her more credit than that so I'm that's why I'm skeptical of this take on it I mean this is also a movie where the president's name is Rathcock right like I think you need to see things in perspective to a certain degree where it's like oh no this is just kind of the, the universe or the world of the movie that we're in or whatever very yeah. fair and, very and fair. it's charlie sheen playing him right and like is this i don't know if this is before or after his tiger blood meltdown or right around that time or whatever but like it's, it has to be after it's, i think yeah I think it's that like, was early it's clear stunt casting in the sense of like it's charlie sheen like you know this guy imagine a guy He's like this is principal sheen. and uh principal imagine a guy like this is president and it's funny because like we've had a guy like this is president now <laughs> and it's not that funny you know even being billed as carlos estevez right like introducing carlos estevez yes another like they're leaning back into all of those or trying to lean sort of on those same ideas again and it's just not sort of coming off quite as well uh it's funny because i think clooney plays the president in one of the spy kids movies so i was expecting him to show up for some reason you know just film him by like iChat and have him phone it in. Oh, he's like via satellite. We get William Sadler though. Death himself shows up in this, so that's kind of that was kind of cool. Going back, the Charlie Sheen Tiger Blood thing was 2011, so it was between the time of the first movie and this movie. So this is kind of like his, okay. you know, his rebound vehicle, I guess. I don't know. Breakout. Has he rebounded? Yeah. Well, I mean, no. <laughs> he but, left, you know, three and a half they... men or whatever, two and a half men. Yeah. The weird thing is, I actually think his performance is kind of like perfect probably wasn't given like very many notes just come in like sound like you mean it and say it like you would and eventually it just built into like lots of fucks and stuff (laughs) and that's exactly how i would imagine charlie sheen starts trying to explain things where he's like first he's like all right here's the here's the idea and then by the end of it it's like it's not that fucking difficult just listen He goes off the rails. Yeah. I had two funny things that aren't fast connections that I wanted to ask you guys about. I think another, like, Rodriguez directorial joke in this, to go undercover, he makes them all the venue staff. And they just completely blend in. Like, what do you do? Like, you just put the brown people in, like, you know, uniforms to pass out food. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, we don't even notice that they're here anymore. Well, they made that joke, maybe not better, but they make that joke for sure in the first movie when he shows up to the house. And, like, you ever wonder, like, when you just, like, yep. let him, like, a brown guy with uh, gardening equipment to your house? And, like, you don't even know if he's the gardener or not. And then, like, he, you know, weed whacks the guys to death, right? So I wish he got more political with this one you know i wish like he pushed yeah i wished it was just more of like the idea about like the mel gibson character being this elon musk type who shows up uh and others you know it's like strikes me more of like an edison to be honest with you like tyrannical and shit but like play more on that how he's like publicly adored but personally he's like a nazi i mean i think they're also you know i don't know if mel gibson's aware that he's playing essentially a nazi in this movie uh you know he, he wants to wipe the earth clean and he's taking all the rich white people up to space with him well it's a very kingsman thing right like i was thinking kingsman for this right yeah but it's also again moonraker that's what the nazi and moonraker did was like all the 
white beautiful people come with me and then he's just gonna nuke the earth and then once the dust settles we'll re-inhabit and everything so you know like i wonder because we had the same conversation in the first movie about seagal right like does seagal know yeah. that you know what he actually is like he's playing a yeah. mexican or whatever and we're you know because it's the first time that he ever played a villain this is the first time that mel gibson ever played the antagonist of a movie i i can't imagine that they don't like there's got to be enough people on their team that they have to, like somebody has to be like hey like you know what this is kind of saying like i, I <laughs> I think that for both of them, they, they know what it's about. I think it has to be. And you're just deep enough in your career that you're okay with it. You're just like, okay, like yeah, it's time. Yeah, I think the hot tub tapes had come out at this point. I don't know if you've heard those, but like him just yeah. the news about him screaming at his girlfriends and things. But but it's crazy because there's also like all these Mad Max nods in this movie too, like the sort of road warrior vehicle they end up driving in. But also at one point, Machete falls in another tunnel and he comes out the trunk of a car buried in the sand like that's right out of beyond thunderdome mm. it's like this weird sense of like homage but also like taking the piss out of him and so maybe they cater or like make it more obvious that like these are the things we like you here for and then it's like more secretive it's like we're gonna sneak in all this other shit maybe he won't catch or something at the party scene before they take off to space to signify that they're going to the future they have a bunch of lava lamps on all the tables they're drinking orbits do you remember orbits (laughs) and it's just like so aesthetically pleasing to put an orbits next to a lava lamp where did he find orbits bottles to put in this shot it's the same kind of thing to me where you see like in like period pieces old-timey like coca-cola cans or whatever it's like i imagine there's got to be either like people who are just making these things all the time that they're like great fabricators or there are entire warehouses in like california and austin and wherever where it's just like all old equipment of everything like oh you need a you're right coca-cola can from 1974 with like the weird here you go i was thinking like where do you get these from and is there like some dude that's just like some guy in california that's a hoarder that you just like go to him and he's like you want a case in orbits i got one here and you're just like okay could be ebay right like you could just go <laughs> maybe like the yeah. prop master is just like where the hell am i gonna come up with this shit like <laughs> i love the future look of this movie though like all the uh the aesthetic like he's so funny at one point where he's like all right we're all gonna go on the space shuttle so uh time to get changed and you all kind of like rip off their civilian clothes and they've got like this like barbarella suit underneath with, yep. like this retro futuristic <laughs> fashion from like the 50s and 60s it's like all right <laughs> yeah and that that plays into what we were talking about last time that it feels like another one of those things where like you don't really know what time this was set in because there's like all these weird nods to like what the future looked like in the 80s or 70s and that's why i liked like the orbits and the lava lamps coming into play because it's like it puts it again in this thing where it's like it feels like this is modern day but at the same time like it could be any time i have one possible fast connection Machete is gunned down, you know, as the trailer goes, left for dead. Um, But then he's kind of like scooped up and through the aid of modern technology, he is sort of brought back by a very, you know, secretive sort of... uh, Healing pool? Yeah, like it's the technology is nuts, but he's almost, I'm not saying he's like a cyborg, but it's sort of the same way like he's rebuilt like in like something Mm. like Etion would do is like, okay, here's an operative, like let's... Let's bring him back. Like, well, we have the technology. We can rebuild him. And now he's, like, better and better, better than ever. Uh, and for Machete, they wanted to get a sample of his DNA, tried to, like, sway him to lead an army of cloned versions of himself. I don't think they'll ever go that far in Fast and Furious. An army of <laughs> doms running around. Uh, That's know. what we're, we were saying this. Like, we haven't gotten clones with 
Han coming back in 9, and us not knowing how Han got there, there's a possibility that he could be an actual clone. We don't really know what happened to Brixton. We don't know yeah. the extent. Like, we're told, but we're not sure. But he's a like, cyborg. Yeah, we see he's got, like, a new spine. So, like, as long as Han's brain is still snapping, or maybe mm-hmm. his heart is still beating or something, if they get to him quick enough, they could probably, yeah. like, just rebuild him. But now you're talking about, like, mind control from the show and stuff. Like, <laughs> Everything is possible. I have a couple other fast connections we have not talked about yet. In the beginning, when Machete and Jessica Alba are working together to take down the cartel when she dies, they get saved kind of like Mr. Nobody gets saved. Or like kind of like how Mr. Nobody saves Dom, where there's just like, the people who like repel down from the sky. Like in this one, there's a bad guy, right? Like it's oh. it's the luchadors, right? But like yeah, I didn't put that one together. That's a good one. Okay. We also see Machete when he gets arrested. There's a glimpse of his Interpol rap sheet, and obviously Interpol Ooh. plays a big deal in uh, in these movies. It's not quite because we even talked about this recently. You were like, how do we have we not how have we not had a brothel? The brothel, like the the whole thing, is kind of like a little bit of a Madame M sort of kind of area, right? A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's Styling. reminiscent. The same. We had a conversation recently. Everyone, oh, I guess it was probably. Oh, it was um, on the Universal Soldier episode again, where we're like, how have we not done that? Or how have we not had like a, a sweep through? Yeah, how have we never had Fast and the Furious have to like rescue a girl from a brothel? Kurt Russell's even had to do that before in like Big Trouble in Little China. I'm surprised. <laughs> it's like, you know why? Because that feels like too grounded. Like that would have to be the whole movie, like like Taken or something at this point. Yeah. Mel Gibson has had deja vu for two years, and that's not exactly, you know, Fast and Furious but it's also a thing about memory, which, you know, we have talked about all that long. There's also the molecule blaster when they that creates the hybrid car people, which is a very cool visual gag. It turns things inside yes. out, uses it on a car, and it kind of creates, like, I'm like, why are they not having that kind of fun the rest of the movie? Like, it just feels like... Yeah. I got something you guys might want to check out cartoon-wise from, like, when I was growing up. I can't remember exactly the name of it, but if you type in boy who turns into a race car cartoon it was like one of these old Hanna-Barbera cartoons where this dude I think if you like got him wet or some shit like he literally like his arms would turn into tires his face would like sort of stretch out and he'd turn into a fucking like Ferrari or something and all of his buddies would like jump inside him and they'd go like fight crime maybe sort of like Scooby-Doo Turbo Teen Turbo Teen yeah not good but like worth a look for just sort of nostalgia's sake and look what they were pushing to kids back then it's 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 body dysmorphia like it's horrifying at this point but it's like car people it's crazy when antonio Banderas as the chameleon like so okay so there's the chameleon who i thought was so i guess the base form of the chameleon is walton goggins so we talked about recently when we were talking about a recast joe of um mm-hmm. smoking the bandit because we were saying, Mike, that their Danny McBride's company is teaming up with... Oh, with someone so weird. Gosling? No, Gosling was going to be in it. But we were talking about, like, who would be recast, because, like, Gosling and Danny McBride were talked about as people for The Bandit. And we were talking about Smokey, and I said that Walton Goggs would be a great Smokey, just like this kind of antagonistic southern drawl of a character. Danny McBride would be a great cop in that. He'd be... He almost at this you point. You picture him as Smokey, not the Bandit. Yeah, you picture him as the Bandit. I think so. No, I don't. Bandit is definitely Goss, right? Like Joe had the idea of like a you know you gotta have a chubby a chubby Bandit and then you have a thin Smokey kind of inverse oh, that with uh, okay, yeah. Goggins and McBride. But especially since they've worked together on Vice Principals and now also uh, yeah. Gemstones, right? Like they have that whole connection <laughs> there. I brought my clog and shoes. Oh, by the way, speaking of that, so the role for Miss San Antonio that was offered to originally the sad queen herself, Michelle Williams. So, oh, God. 
can you imagine this movie with Michelle Williams as like I would love to see it I want to see her play other things that aren't just like uber depression like when she yeah. smiles a little bit in um, Greatest Showman it's like I remember talking about that like people on, on Letterboxd are kind of making fun of her like she's smiling What? that's not we don't want that from you like we don't want you to be happy <laughs> she puts yeah. on the symbiote in Venom she can have fun she knows that is like the best part of that movie too so oh so okay so there is the chameleon so his base form is Walton Goggins then he also becomes Cuba a former man of honor then Lady Gaga then Antonio Banderas but when he becomes what we think is the holy roller but we instead find out that it's just a persona that he has gathered that he is whatever the chameleon has assumed but I was thinking you know truck driver very core to this movie yes very mm. true. And also, so is the religious elements of it all, right? So Speaking of the religious elements, like, you know, like I loved how Tom Savini's character, who, like, had a hand in killing Cheech in the first one, has, like, sort of taken up the cloth and, like, stepped in his place and even sacrificed yes. himself for Machete and everything. Like, that was... I was shocked that we got, like, that much of an arc out of anybody in this series. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, Michelle Rodriguez's character, like, I just wish that somehow she became more... Yeah, like, where can you go from there? You'd have to Fast and Furious her up. She has to get superpowers, essentially. Well, she exactly. This is her yeah. second eye in this movie. It looks like in the trailer for Machete Kills again in space, she has an eye back. So I don't know. It also looks like she dies in that trailer. So who knows what's actually coming to her? That's true. You know? So yeah. uh, we have another sword fight to end this movie, like we had in the first one, which I guess is not really a fast action, just a machete action. Did either of you stick around for the Avengers esque uh, scene at the end yes. of the credits? Yes, because Rachel's like my personal bonus scene checker. Shit. I missed it this time. I did not. I did. I. I had a feeling, but I didn't. You didn't miss much. It's a return to the fight between Michelle Rodriguez and Amber Heard, so it makes sense for our show that there is like a little bit of a bonus content there. But Michelle Rodriguez slides on the ground and then punches her in the in the genitals. They cut to Amber Heard laughing, and she says, "You can't just surprise pussy punch someone." Oh, and then yeah, they have and they have Charlie Sheen like <laughs> shooting like some outtake. guns in, the spa- in space or something. Carlos. The first one's like an outtake, and the second one's just Charlie Sheen being Charlie Sheen. Yeah. As like shooting a promo for like his campaign. Do either of you want to guess the body counts? The first movie had 98. How many do you think were in this one? Okay, so first I just want to say that there is way too much shooting in this movie, even for me. Like, there's, like, not a minute goes by without a gun going off or something like that. Like, it is taxing. I'm going to just say they doubled it. I'm just going to say they had a mandate. They're like, let's just double how many people we killed in the first movie. So 196. I don't know. I I can't like I can't keep track of them. I'm gonna go 75. I think they had less. It's a number in the middle between our two numbers. Between those or... two numbers, between 75 and 196. 152. Mm, I'm gonna go lower. 125. Uh, lower than both. So somewhere between 75 and 125. You have one more guess each. Make a count. Is it 98 again exactly? I'm actually going to say the same guess. It's 101, so just a couple more, which I don't know why. I mean, that to me means like they're not actually counting for anything, because it just feels like, why three more? Like, why not one more? Why not the same amount? Why not double? Because you know what could have been a funny gag, and like, if if you keep track of this kind of, and I agree with you, I don't think they were keeping track or anything, but like, if they were, it would have been funny if they just you know, force the final kill-in post-credit scene, and Machete is just like, I had to kill one more. Could have yeah. They could have made something out of it if they were sort of, like, thinking about it, I guess. All right, do you guys want to watch the trailer, or do you have any other thoughts about this movie? No, I got through all mine in my notes. The trailer we're watching is actually official trailer number two, because I think number one is just a minute-long teaser, so it's Machete Kills, official trailer number two, movie clips, trailers, like, two million views, it's two minutes and 41 seconds. I must have seen this in theaters, but I don't remember seeing it in theaters. So you've, do you feel like you've never seen it before? No, I, I'd seen it because I remembered Lady Gaga and I remembered the space stuff. I remember seeing the trailer. Like I remember... That's never a good sign. I don't remember right? it being so long. Like That shocked me. 
because I, I think I do I do remember seeing it in a theater and thinking like it just flew by like there was just too much going on I couldn't even pay attention to like what was happening but this time watching it I was like kind of checking the time being like is there really an hour left in this movie like that yeah was... like I think I said that for the first one like these should both be like 90 minutes and the first one's an hour 45 yeah. but it doesn't feel needlessly long and then this is an hour 48 like it's even longer and okay. I don't I don't feel like I feel like there's there's less going on all right Joe you ready I'm ready whenever you are all right three two one play this this is like a slow start oh yeah we get the red phone again this was a great scene actually when all the women pass the phone next to Charlie Sheen <laughs> <laughs> He's the president sleeping with four women and three women He's in his bed. President. Mr. President, we have a situation. Like, Ooh, uh, he was trained what? To it just feels like the slow point. Like we're thirty seconds in. Like we, like we finally know that it's a machete movie. It's just like I don't know. Like, it feels like this is a movie without an identity. Your family. Yeah. But this feels more like the, the trailer we played. The, I don't know if you kept it in the show, but like the first time we played the modern trailer. Oh, it was bad. Yeah, I haven't edited that yet. I think I'll probably keep it in. I don't know. But like this feels like that where it's like there's they're not hiding any. There's no joke to it. It's not a grindhouse sort of production. Yes. Yeah. Go kick some ass. There were speedboats. There was a speedboat in this trailer that we did not mention, but a very too fast of it. Oh, we, yeah, we don't get really speedboats. Like, there's the speedboats that are out in the water when they go to meet, when they introduce Roman to Tej, right? And Tej and Suki are sitting there. Like, there's some speedboat racing or something, but... That was yeah. Machete kills. That's what he does. October 11th, it came out in October. Oh, yeah, also, Sofia Vergara, did you mention, Mike, she has not only the double Ds, but also, like, the, the penis... Mm -hmm. The crotch rocket. God, yeah. Yeah. It's. I know you want to market this as best you can, but I'm also surprised that they spoil every single cameo in the as if oh, they're yeah. in the entire movie. Because I mean, the way you sell this movie is based on the cast, right? It's based on the names, so. But I feel like all you need is really Mel Gibson because it's like it's, it's like has Danny Trejo gotten that big or has Mel Gibson well that far? I think if you're. It could, by putting Lady Gaga on the trailer, you're getting a different audience. By putting Michelle Rodriguez, you're getting a different audience. By putting Jessica Alba, you're putting... You know what I mean? So it's like... Yeah, no, you want to put, like, at least Michelle Rodriguez back. And... What I did not remember... The trailer's over. There's, like, 30 seconds of nonsense yeah. at the end. Mike, you were right last time. Chingon is Robert Rodriguez's band. I did not mm. know that he... That that band made one of my favorite songs from the Kill Bill movies, Malahenia Salarosa. Like, I didn't know that that was him. Like, I knew that he had... he had, You know, I think he scored maybe oh. Kill Bill 2 for a dollar. So that's, like, a traditional... So like that's I don't I think that's a cover because he talks about that extensively. I think he even uses that as way back as like El Mariachi as like you Ooh. know a song that that has been with him like almost his entire life and Joey this is the story where I got the like okay so he goes to Quentin Tarantino pay me a dollar and I'll do the score to Kill Bill 2 and he takes that song and he stretches it out into different themes and versions throughout the entire movie of Kill Bill 2 that's so, so like cool. the score is an adaptation along the way of that particular song that's uh, very I'm cool. a big uh, fan of that song as well Tarantino would go on to direct that one scene in Sin City like the cop car with all of the red and blue like crazy lights like he did that for a dollar in, in payback or as a return favor or whatever. But like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. The letterbox game. So for reference sake, 
went up a little bit. Mad Max Fury Road has now been seen by 659,000 people. 659. Machete Kills, okay. 2013, directed by Robert Rodriguez, starring Danny Trejo, Mel Gibson, Damian Bashir, Amber Heard, Michelle Rodriguez, Sofia Vergara, Charlie Sheen, Jessica Alba, Tom Savini, Vanessa Hudgens, Lady Gaga, Cuba Gooding Jr., Taylor Bidares, <laughs> has been seen by how many people? I'm going to go less than the first one. Which I think was like 100,000, if I remember? I'm going to go 72,000 off the jump with this one. Okay, Mike? Okay, I'm going lower this time around. I'm going 55. Both too high. Wow. 43. Wow. I'm going even lower than my, my. I'm going 15. Somewhere in between, between 15 and 43. One more guess each. 38. 28. Mike's a little bit closer, and he did not go over 31,000, so a precipitous drop-off. Yeah, huge. This Big. did not play as well as the first one, for sure. I feel like that first one had tons of anticipation, right? Uh, well, maybe yeah. not tons, but like if you saw... If you were a fan of that Grindhouse movie, you were Pavlo's dogs just waiting for this. Once it came out, I think it might have even split the audience then, and the ones that were left were just not enough of a legion to make a dent. Like, I, I don't know why or how this is the case, but I feel like after you see Grindhouse, you're like, I need to see Machete. But then after you see Machete, you're like, I don't I don't think there's the same, I need to see Machete kills. It's like, yep. oh, right. yeah. But then you see whatever. Machete kills in space, and you're like, I need to see that. Make that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you had that idea, but you went with this. So out of those 31,000 people, average rating of 2.54, most common rating of 3, then Ooh. a 2, then a 2.5. How many people have it in their top four movies of all time? Low. Like, I'm going to say, like, none. Mike says zero. I say four. Pick a number between those two. <laughs> two. Three. Both wrong. It's one. <laughs> oh. It's that kind of it's that kind of night. So we're gonna go to Karosh, C A R R O S H at Karosh on Letterboxd. Top four. Her top four. Her number three is Machete Kills. The top two are very gettable. The number four, I don't even know, begin to know how to describe. Number two is a movie that Mike mentioned earlier this episode. Planet Terror. No. Oh man, I don't take notes while of what I said on the show, just of what I watched. Let me think of movies that Mike mentioned. Kill Bill? No, but you're very close to the both of the both both of the first two you're very close to. Sin City? Nope. No, you're got you're getting farther away. Dust till dawn? Nope. You're getting Don't farther away still. Yeah. Spy Kids. You're still you're going in the wrong direction. Spy Kids Spy Kids too. <laughs> still in the wrong no. direction. You were closer with Kill Bill. Night of the Living Dead Oh. Oh, uh Hateful Eight. No, he said he didn't say Inglorious Yeah, Hateful Eight. Nope. Django. Yep. Number two, Django. Okay. Number one, still in that same ballpark. Pulp Fiction. Yep. Pulp Fiction, Django, Machete Kills. The number four is a movie from 2003 starring Russell Crowe. I can't imagine it's good, but like has a really high rating. Like it's one of those kind of movies that I is think... It, is it Virtuosity? No. That's the one with Denzel, right? That's an amazing Russell Crowe. That might have been earlier. 2003. What was 2003 Russell Crowe up? Russell Crowe, Paul Bettany, James Darcy... Edward Woodall. It's not Beautiful it's not. Mind, right? From like, that was... April 1805, Napoleon is Master of Europe. Master and Commander? Master and Commander, the far end of the world. Far side of the world. I heard that movie's incredible. I've been meaning to watch it for years, and it's on some lists of, like, franchises that should have been that never were. Like, there's a whole series of books about this, and yeah, I hear that movie's incredible. It has a 3.7, overwhelmingly four stars or above on Letterboxd. Uh, it's on Hulu right now. With a title like that, it just sounds terrible. Like, that's a, that's not a movie that I would ever like. Yeah. That's a long say. title. That'd be like, Machete kills again in space, but also on the other side of the universe in some <laughs> unknown planet bunker. <laughs> 
Also, like Russell Crowe playing Napoleon, I'm just like, yeah. No, I'm he's good. not Napoleon. He's the master and commander, right? Like, oh, I have yeah, no idea. He, it's his. He, it takes place on one of those old war vessels, like when there's still rickety ass wooden boats and sailboats and shit. And mm. he's like barking orders. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean time, and he's like barking orders, and they're trying to get across ah. the sea. Well, okay. I guess it's more like Napoleon times, but you get my drift. Yeah. Like they look like the dudes from like the Dutchies Trading Company or whatever. Well, that was Machete Kills and our end of Robert Rodriguez week and a half. Mike, thank you for joining us for these latter two installments. We did Alita without yeah, you, but then we you. did both Machete movies. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a nice change up from all the uh, Cruz and Hanks we've been watching lately, Joey, and uh, yeah. <laughs> everything else. It's good to get a little bit of variety in there. Anything you want to plug or anything you want to mention? Uh, sure. So the third of every month, Third Time's a Charm, a show where I look at the third installment of a franchise, and then... By the way, Rachel really wants to do Boogeyman 3, or wants you to do Boogeyman 3, either or. Okay, well, might, might have to find some time. I've been, I've not been as productive as some of the other members of the network bumping up their shows to you know, two, three, four times a week or whatever they're doing now. <laughs> now I'm starting to question when that show's going to end. It was going to end it in March, but I've got a, I got a certain number of movies I still want to get to, so I might just do it until I get to those, through those Just movies. make it a weekly show. We're almost done with Hanks for the Memories. we got a couple <laughs> more episodes of that. Like, there's nothing stopping you. Well, nothing's stopping me, but I do have, my attention is elsewhere as well. It's split because I'm part of a new show. Mm-hmm. Dan Cologne and myself um, have a new show called The Monsters That Made Us. It's the last Friday of every month it's about the Universal Monsters so we're watching the 31 original Universal Monster movies in order the first episode uh, is out now it is the Phantom of the Opera from 1925 and 1929 Mm. but we get into that and yeah we're gonna go up through the first 31 movies of the shared Universal Monster universe from like the 30s to the 50s and then later on in like they started remaking them a little bit. There's all those Brendan Fraser movies. We're just going to keep it going uh, as long as we can. So join us over there last Friday of every month. Well, Joe, next week we are back with Nigo and Kevo once again to talk about the fate of the Furious. Well, I'm so curious to hear what they think about it now. The Fast and the Curious? The Fate of the Curious? <laughs> and then on Friday, I think we are going to release our New York Comic Con panel with a quick intro from us. So that no homework for you guys in the Brian Rodriguez parlance. Oh, very cool. No homework for yeah. you guys. So uh, just a, a nice, fun, Fast and Furious-focused week. And then I don't remember... Oh, after that is another themed week, which we will get to. Mm. But yeah, some cool stuff coming up. But Fade the Furious next week, and then our New York Comic Con panel, which if you want to get ahead of the game, is on YouTube, available to watch there. We've tweeted and Facebook linked to that. But if you want to wait, it's yeah. a 30-minute kind of like, I don't know how great it's going to be for the feed, but I want to share it to the feed because I think it was a cool thing that we did. It's kind of like a Too Fast, Too Forever 101 sort of. Like, it's a very it is. intro who we are, what we're doing. So it's a nice thing to maybe bring people on board. Like, that was why we did it on YouTube at all but I think here could make sense too. Yeah, I feel like that was, it was a good over, it was a 30 minute pitch, essentially. Not that it was, but. No, I think, I think, I don't think that's wrong or unfair to say. I think that's absolutely what it was. And I think that's kind of the point of it. Like it was, it was pitching us and pitching our take on the franchise to, you know, like focus by the LGBTQ HQ branch of Comic-Con. Like, yeah, we're looking at the series that people think as like room room mm-hmm. as like a progressive, inclusive place. So I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, w- I just didn't want to be like, oh, we like went, to do this as a pitch. Not a pitch for the show, a pitch for the movies. Like, the movies will welcome you. You can give or take 
us, but yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Any other thoughts from either of you about Machete or Machete Kills? I'm ready for Machete in space. Yeah, so. if they ever make it, well, special episode of Third Times a Charm. Well, yeah, we'll have to do sure. a crossover episode between this uh, and that, crossover. right? So, right. Fuck, I totally didn't even think about that. That's, yep. Which of our actors would be would be most likely to show up in that for would another you, podcast that we've, that we've done? done? Yeah. Um, I think Keanu would love to go down He's a and good guess. play play around with Robert Rodriguez's little factory. With the hint that Justin Bieber would play the robot, Zeph has a good shot. <laughs> if he could can't, can't get Justin Bieber, he could definitely throw Zeph in there at some point as like a robot or something. What if Zeph is the body double and Leonardo DiCaprio is the voice of the Mel Gibson character now? <laughs> like they just use Zeph's body and like they get him shirtless and like all kinds of or stuff. Or the rock. Just don't stop there. Just make the rock the man in the suit and it's just huge. Well this movie right? does already establish like weird voices coming out of weird bodies with Walton Goggins, you know, talking as mm-hmm. Antonio Banderas and Lady Gaga. So yeah, just have a body that looks like The Rock, but sounds like Leonardo DiCaprio. With like still the tattoos too, like yeah. the big, like the, what is it? He has like the Texas fucking Longhorn tattoo on his chest. Imagine him shirtless. What if he's like an alien now that the network's all galactic and shit? Maybe he comes from another planet and is like, you know, I don't know, maybe he's got like horns or something. I don't know what they do. But, I like... think Dave Batista would have a lot to say about that. <laughs> I think he's got a lot to say about a lot of things, but for all things Too Fast Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast Too Forever, or at Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at Too Fast Too Forever.com. Wells, if you're still listening to this, I'm expecting a uh, tweet that does this whole end thing, too. If you did our <laughs> Patreon subscription, people, here's looking at you, kid. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you again. <laughs>